0: Welcome to Virtual Economy, a podcast about the business of games for the rest of us. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda Farrow. And I'm Michael Footer. Each episode will cover the biggest business beats and bring in expert commentary from lawyers, analysts, and industry pros. This is episode 125. Activision Union Busters rack up another L.
1: Dangles, boys. <laughs> it's
0: going to be a straight up Union Donnybrook going on. <laughs> I, for one, I'm cheering for Raven QA as Me too. per usual.
1: Uh, but we will get to that in the bottom half of the show. Kicking off today with the NPD report for March 2022, courtesy of our dear friend Matt Piscatella, analyst at NPD. Yep. So it was.
0: It's a bit. It's 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 a bit weird.
1: Well, I think this is just to preface everything before we get to the numbers, this is the expected cooling that we anticipated, but...
0: You mean that we anticipated two years ago when we right. first
1: started this show? This is the cooling. However, things are trending above where they were. Sure. The challenge is that the one thing we weren't really anticipating was the length of time that we were going to be facing supply issues. And we are very much still facing supply issues.
0: And why is that? Is it perhaps because we are still in the midst of a global manufacturing and shipping crisis?
1: Well, even that, I saw that there were some factories in China that were shutting down again because of outbreaks. So, yeah. you know, this is this is very much the Battlestar Galactica. All of this has happened <laughs> before and it will happen again. We're stopping the clock. Yes. All right. So uh, for this is going to cover both the month of March 2022 and the first quarter of the year. Excellent. Spending was down 15% versus the yearly average. Okay. So that's the last 12 months. Right. 24% versus March 2021. Okay. To $4.9 billion.
0: So what's the thinking here? I think that from my perspective,
1: March of last year was a tough comp. It was a tough comp in terms of yeah, it was a tough comp. And I think we're going to get to that because I think we have to take the software angle into No, oh, I agree. Everything was down by the way. Yeah. Every single thing that we're going to talk about is down. That's year not over
0: surprising. Year. That's absolutely not surprising. So,
1: for the first quarter spending was down 8% mm-hmm. versus first quarter 2021 to 13.9 billion. I
0: mean, that's not terrible.
1: Yeah. Hardware we'll cover first. Down 25% year over year to 515 million, and first quarter was down 15% compared to, to first quarter 2021 to $1.2 billion. Why?
0: Supply issues, just
1: like we yes. talked about. So one of the things that Matt has been saying, gosh, I think since the new consoles came out in 2020, was that whoever can supply. Is going to do well. This is not a demand issue. No, this is a supply side issue. It continues to be a supply side issue. Absolutely. But one of the things that's been interesting was we have started to see that there have been more Xbox consoles available.
0: I have noticed more and more of them in the channel.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, in the past, that might simply be interpreted as the demand has has stopped keeping pace with supply. That's not really the case. I think that they are eventually selling out. It's taking a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. but the supply, the demand is there. In fact, the Xbox Series consoles, that's the Xbox Series X and the extra small, small, led the month and the quarter in dollars. Switch led both in unit sales. Yeah, that's not surprising. Again, not a surprise. Um, What is very interesting, though, is Xbox set a new March record in terms of units and dollars. So they bested March 2011's most recent record in terms of units and March 2014's most recent record in terms of dollars.
0: Interesting.
1: So this is very much a... I have to wonder at this point if people aren't looking at it and going, okay, I can't get a PlayStation. Right. I already have a Switch. Should I just get an Xbox? There is Game Pass. And I think Game Pass is is a big motivator. I think that is absolutely a big motivator. And somebody looking at going, well, I'll just get a PlayStation. By the time a PlayStation is available for me to get... I'll have, I'll, have, I'll have the money to buy another console. Sure. So I'm wondering if, if part of that is people becoming... Just wanting a current-gen ne- console. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and therefore, because the supply is available on the Xbox Series consoles, people are just jumping at that. Mm-hmm. I think Game Pass is a motivator. That's not to take anything away from what Microsoft has has done over the last few years in terms of building out that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if that isn't part of it. I think there's a number of factors involved. In fact, I, I actually... I I asked Matt a question. I'm just I'm going to keep like flicking back to my phone here to see if
0: uh, it's still early on his coast. It is, and
1: he was up very early posting the report. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was taking it easy this morning. Uh, if we do get that in, you know, we'll we'll share it during the show. If not, we'll we'll post it later, uh, you know, in text.
0: So let's talk about software. We know that hardware sales are depressed because of supply. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about software. Yes. So software dropped 13% year over year mm-hmm. and 7%
1: for the quarter. And this is inclusive of pretty much everything. DLC, microtransactions, subs, everything. All of it. And we're going to go through what the placements were and then we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about this because I think it's important to understand just what happened this month in terms of software. I agree. And then look at that, that, that dip. Yeah. And I have, a, I have some thoughts. I know you have some thoughts, too. I do have some thoughts. But let's run through this. So what what was the best-selling game of the month?
0: The best-selling game of the month is currently Elden Ring.
1: Nobody could have seen this coming. Oh, no. It's now, a complete we all, surprise. We, oh, actually, a lot of us did see this coming. This was not a surprise. If the, this
0: is the Soulsborne game that gets someone like me and a bunch of other folks that have never loved Soulsborne games before into... into this kind mm-hmm. of genre, it's huge. That's that widens your addressable market mm-hmm. so friggin' much because a lot of us self-selected out, right? Mm-hmm. If we think about the conversations that we've all had around Souls games, many of us just self-selected out because we're like, oh, well, I'm not that hardcore. I don't think that I can do this. It's actually way too bleak for me. Mm-hmm. I'm just not interested. But because of the way that Elden Ring has kind of not just because it's a social zeitgeist or because of the social zeitgeist, I think it's a lot of it is it's much more approachable and also it's pretty.
1: (laughs) So here's my feeling on anytime we see a breakout and we've talked about this with Monster Hunter, right?
0: I was just thinking about Monster Hunter World. Monster Hunter World was that inflection point for the series where, again, people self-selected out until World and then they opted in because they're like, oh... This is way more accessible. I can actually play this game.
1: And none of that happens in a vacuum. No. Elden Ring doesn't happen in a vacuum. Monster Hunter World doesn't happen in a vacuum. It and happened
0: the- after so many iterations mm-hmm. of those kinds of games from these developers.
1: Right. And I don't think you have an Elden Ring success without Bloodborne, for instance. Because Bloodborne was Agreed. a lot of people's entry in because they didn't... Like Demon Souls is really hard. And Dark Souls is really challenging. And you get to Bloodborne and suddenly it's like, oh, the mechanics are a little bit different. The setting is a little bit different. Maybe this is the one that gets me in the door. And for people like you who tried Bloodborne and didn't enjoy it, I, Bloodborne was my entry into this genre. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see those, those moments and it snowballs release after release after release. So you get Absolutely. to Elden Ring, which yeah. has the benefit above Bloodborne of being a multi-platform title. Where you had a very strong campaign a very strong PR and social campaign behind it. Sure. You had- That a, and it's
0: set in a mm-hmm. very pretty forest. Exactly. let that's the real things- here. It's set in a very pretty forest. And although everything is trying to murder you, the, the setting and the lore really do lend themselves well to fans of high fantasy. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that, and this is one of those things that we're probably going to be talking about uh, as the news today breaks that Elon Musk may actually own Twitter by the end of the day. Because it's an all-cash deal or something like that.
0: I literally cannot with any of that. But
1: if you think about... Now, Twitter is a small microcosm of the larger market, of course. Of course. But when you think about the way we communicate and the way game promotion happens and marketing promotion happens on Twitter, it's through a lot of visual assets.
0: Absolutely. And
1: And I think to your point, where Elden Ring doesn't look like... Other Soulsborn games.
0: It doesn't because for me, Bloodborne was like, all right. Well, I mean, I like dark, scary things, but I'm not sure I want an entire bleak world of it. Mm. I kind of it just it wasn't appealing to me. Whereas, you know, when I first started taking a look at Elden Ring, I was like, I'm probably not going to play this. I'm probably not good enough to play this. I'm not. These are not my kind of games. And then the more I saw of it, the more I saw people playing it, the more I saw, and not even just on Twitter, but on Twitch, you know, it kind of emboldened me to try it Mm -hmm. myself. So it'll be really interesting to see what the, what the next cultural zeitgeist will be able to become.
1: Um, For me, and again, I don't want to talk too much about the Twitter thing, but if, if every, if you're in a marketing department today... And you are not talking about what your move is in the wake of a potential Twitter exodus. If you are not like ready to hit that red button and putting plans in place for what how you're going to promote your game in a way that does not include the massive reach that Twitter has to this core audience. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the core audience, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. We're not talking about folks that are only on Facebook or mm-hmm. only on Reddit or... You know, only on TikTok. Right.
1: But is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? Where are the where are people going to be? It's mostly it's
0: mostly TikTok and Instagram, honestly, at this point. If we look at what even our eldest daughter uses in terms of social media, it is TikTok and Instagram. And Snap. But Snap's more her like messaging platform. Right.
1: So if you have a game coming out later this year and you are not in the process of putting in a plan B. In, so that you have it ready to go in you case that one. Twitter implodes, which it very well could.
0: I don't know. I don't know. It really, it's it's hard to say. I mean, nobody and... thought Tumblr
1: was going to implode and...
0: Okay, yeah, but I did.
1: Right. Well, I don't think anybody saw that, saw a, a scenario before the Yahoo purchase where, where Tumblr was going to take such a sharp nosedive. And the fact that we saw it happen with Tumblr means, yeah, it could happen here as it well. It could absolutely so happen here. So I'm hopeful that people in communications are today sitting sitting there and putting their emergency plans into place because yeah. they have to rewrite entire marketing plans that some of that is built around social media beats and how they re- and how they reformat that and what it might do to potential sales because. This is how you reach people.
0: Yeah, for sure. So
1: is it is it the only thing? Is it the only piece of a campaign? No, no of course not. But I think it's an important conversation that every communications team should be having today. So back to NPD. Um, so Elden Ring, yes, repeated at number one. It is number two for the trailing 12 months behind Call of Duty Vanguard. We're going to talk a little bit about Call of Duty a little bit later. Um, one of the things that was super interesting that Matt pointed out. So when we talk about software sales, especially... Software as a product more than... Because this is this has service elements, but... It, but it's more. a product. Right. You talk about decay curves, where over time you have fewer and fewer sales. And then there's, of course, the, that's where you plan out your sales and your discounting. And that's when you plan out your promotions and all that stuff, right? Elden Ring is having an inverse decay curve because of strong word of mouth.
0: It's- and this
1: is in a non-Game Pass scenario. <laughs>
0: Right. And that's really interesting to me because, again, this comes down to connection through social media, connection through watching streamers play it. Mm-hmm. This has been a really, really, it's been really interesting to watch the ways in which Elden Ring has continued to grow and, you know, improve, yeah. let's say. Because, like, they've made a bunch of improvements to the game as mm-hmm. well to just continue yeah. to include new players. Absolutely. All right, so Gran Turismo 7 debuted at number two across software and on PlayStation it set a new launch month, eh, sorry, a new launch month dollar sale record for the franchise.
1: So it came in at number two on PlayStation, Elden Ring was number one on PlayStation and on Xbox. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land debuted at number three. That does not include digital. Remember, Nintendo first party games, they do not report digital to NPD. It was top of the Nintendo chart. No big surprise there. Not surprising it's great at all. I'm loving it.
0: I look forward to playing it after I'm done with Pokemon Legends Arceus, which you I've been,
1: have been like
0: devouring it. Yes. I've gotten back to it. I, I have the Pokemon. I, I'm out.
1: excited to get back and play more of that game too. I'm really liking it.
0: Yeah, it's great. So MLB The Show 22 debuted at number four, but NPD only included the MVP edition and the digital deluxe edition since those were out during the reporting dates and the standard edition wasn't. This
1: is one of those rare times where that early play window that you get with the pricier editions actually has a reporting impact on something like NPD. Usually we just...
0: It doesn't really... Yeah,
1: it's just because of where the break happened. It was so Really interesting. Uh, Let's see. Horizon Forbidden West dropped to number 5 from number 2.
0: Pokemon Legends Arceus, speaking of, dropped to number 6 from number 3. Again, not including digital sales. It's holding on, though, on the Nintendo
1: chart at number Mm 2. WWE 2K22 debuted at number 7. And apparently significantly better than the last outing a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, Steve Dutzman and I talked about that and... Apparently, it's a much, much, much better game. Awesome. Mario Kart 8 was number eight, not including digital sales, and it is number three on the Nintendo chart.
1: All right. Let's talk a little bit about Call of Duty, uh, and then we're going to talk about it again in the analysis. Uh, Call of Duty Vanguard dropped from number six to number nine. Note Black Ops Cold War was off the top 20. Yeah. uh, Which was really interesting. Yeah. It was off the top 20. Okay.
0: Okay. I don't. I mean, like, I'm so very not dialed into Call of Duty, like, at all. I think the last one that I played was the one in space.
1: Uh, Infinite Warfare.
0: Infinite Warfare. Yeah. Because I like my I like my first-person shooters to be fantastical, not mm-hmm. set in the real world. Thanks very much.
1: Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. All right. So what's the deal here? Oh, hold on. I got to go back to the thing. Oh, that's my turn. No, wait. I, I did this one, I thought. Oh, Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, debuted at number 10. I think... That's actually a really str- strong showing for a game that is supremely weird. It is really strange.
0: I mean, as much as I love Killing Chaos... <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't mind Killing Chaos? Um, I don't know. Game game still looks strange I'm, to I'm looking for
1: it. Because of the timing of our move, I haven't gotten a chance to dive into that quite as much as I wanted to.
0: Another weird one is Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And this game debuted at number 11, a... I guess digital sales figures weren't included. I would
1: imagine that it would be a little bit higher. I think it would be a lot higher, honestly. And yeah, just confirming. Because like, it's one of those things where I wrote it down. And I was shocked, so shocked that Call of Duty wasn't, uh, that Black Ops Cold War wasn't on the list. Because usually we do see two Call of Duty games on the list. Normally. And last year, I went back to March 2021. And uh, Black Ops Cold War and Modern Warfare there we're both on the list. I don't know, Still. they've
0: all bled together for me, yeah. unfortunately. So anyway, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, we want to talk about another game that's really been feeling that word that word of mouth, mm-hmm. right? I've seen a lot of content creators really enjoying it and yep. every time I I log into Twitch and I see somebody playing it, I go and watch them for a little while and I'm like this might be a game I should play.
1: Yeah, it still is Borderlands from everything I've heard, but it does enough different and it's got... The writing is good and it's doing enough that's really attracting people. Also, I want you to know that I went back and I started playing the one shot. It was the DLC, the Tiny Tina DLC uh, for Borderlands 2. That game was made in Unreal Engine 3 and boy... Like all the like Xbox 360 era things with all it's like, oh my God, why are the textures taking so long to pop up? Oh, it's Unreal Engine 3. I remember this. Ah, good times. yep Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo debuted at number 12. I think that's an interesting one. I I think it's going to do well when sales hit because it's still it's really an attractive game. Um, I I worked on it. Uh, I did. I did a mock for it. Um, I, I liked it. I think that it does some very cool things in the open world. It's such a cool representation of Shibuya that, like, it's 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 neat. And a lot of very cool things in there that I liked. Speaking um, of cool yeah. things that I like, What did you like?
0: Triangle Strategy. So Triangle Strategy debuted at number 16. Again, digital sales not included. I would imagine if they were, it would be higher.
1: Significant because I think it sold a million copies.
0: Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that it would be higher... Project Triangle Strategy is another, like Triangle Strategy, sorry, the game, because it's not Project Triangle right, Strategy. Right, it's just Triangle it's just Strategy. just Triangle yeah. Strategy. Such a dumb name for a game. But I have been meaning to get into playing this one as well because I loved Octopath mm-hmm. very, very much. It was such a cool game. So, so it's are... number four on the Nintendo mm-hmm. chart. So 16, but number four.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and we've seen strong first party games do really, really well on the charts. Oh,
0: absolutely. So...
1: You know, we'll see, like Monster Hunter Rise being an interesting one was only released on one platform. Yep, and such w- a great game. I think it led the month. I think it led March it 2021. Did. Yeah, absolutely. So half of the top 16 games this month were new releases. So that indicates a strong month in terms of content. But again, looking back at that March 2021 comp, mm-hmm. Monster Hunter Rise came out on Switch. Yeah, it did. Digital sales were included in that because it was Capcom and exactly. not Nintendo. Two Call of Duty games on the list versus one. And I think people were still really hungrily eating up software for... There's still new consoles. So remember, the new consoles came out in November 2020. At this point, we're talking five months down the road. People are still acquiring and we still have that post-Christmas unboxing. And people are buying a lot of games over those first three months. But I think what's really interesting here is this cooling. That even though it's something strong that content, we, people are going back, that other things are going on. Whether they should or not is a...
0: I think point. it's even, I think it's honestly even just a little bit more than that. I don't think it's just that there are other things going on. I think that people, people are just doing other stuff. Yes, exactly. like, they're, like even just within their houses, they're doing other stuff. It's not just games anymore. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, you know, if you were part of that if you were part of that demographic that was eating up all those games last year, I mean, let's look at the job market. Let's Mm -hmm. look at what's going on out in the real world with all of the evictions that are now starting to happen. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's scary out there. It's really scary out there, especially in the United States. So of course people are going to be like, Holy crap. Uh, okay. I guess I have to refocus where my money is going.
1: Absolutely. But we're seeing, Live music is back. Broadway is back open. So that competition for for disposable income is now heating up again. Again, though, I think we're not going to see pre or a full return to pre-pandemic we're not going to. rates. I think what we're gonna we're gonna see people who stick around. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't a gamer before the pandemic. I picked up a console. I man, I loved it. I'm I'm still gonna play games. Maybe I'm not gonna buy as many. But, but I'm still here. I'm still I'm still part of that market now. Exactly. Um, interesting note, and we're not going to report on it in full. Activision reported its full year earnings today, I believe. Okay. Uh yeah, today's Monday. So yeah, it was today. Um they are not doing a call because of the the pending Microsoft acquisition. We're not going to see another call from them until that acquisition goes through. And then it won't be an call. Or acquisition it does call. not. Or it does not. Um, interesting note here. Activision reported its earnings showing a nearly 50% drop in revenue year over year. Blizzard dropped. So that's Activision Publishing.
0: Uh Blizzard
1: dropped 43%. King was the only growth the company saw.
0: So remember how we say that the best thing that you can do as a consumer is vote with your wallet. It's happening with the the new Harry Potter movie, which Mm -hmm. tanked. Mm -hmm. Basically, no one went to see it. And it's happening here. Be loud. Continue to be loud. And it sucks because this could potentially hurt developers and we don't want that. But this is the only way to get shareholders and potentially the board to stand up and take note.
1: Now remember, Call of Duty Vanguard is still the number one selling game for the trailing 12 months. So when we're Mm -hmm. talking about this drop, it was they were perched high on a mountain. And now they're on maybe a tall hill. Yes. So they're not... Hurting, per se. But when you talk about shareholders who expect infinite growth year over year over year because they're unreasonable like that, this is a strong message. Now, what was interesting was there was a report that Call of Duty was not going to be coming out this year. That it was going yeah. to bump to 2023. This morning, Activision confirmed that the next Call of Duty game, which is a sequel to Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the remake, uh, will be is is coming this year. Oh, and there's no quibbling about what that means because Activision's fiscal year is the calendar year. So it's not like they're just bumping it to early 2023. No, they're talking about this game now coming in 2022. Whether I don't think they ever confirmed that it wasn't like they ever confirmed the the reporting, but somewhere along the way they looked at this and said, Well, shit, we've got to get another game out. Like we can't afford to wait. Um, Well,
0: my heart goes out to each and every one of the Call of Duty studios that are probably going to be crunched and
1: mistreated yeah. um the other piece of news this morning uh diablo infinite
0: immortals In- immortal
1: d- d- no what is it called diablo immortal is that mm-hmm. what it's called yeah the uh mobile game
0: yes diablo coming, immortal
1: is coming on june 2nd but also coming to pc
0: okay great. and it's
1: gonna be cross plat you know cross progression and all that stuff i nope Yep. I mean, you and I still haven't played Diablo 2. We And I won't nope, until a better
0: either. ABK says, "Hey, we good." Yep. We're happy.
1: Oh, but hold on. We'll, we'll get there.
0: We absolutely will. But yep. in the meantime, I want to talk about mobile. Yep. So, Sensor Tower says that spending was down 12% year over year with Google Play revenue dropping nearly 25%. App Store spending was only was down only what, a quarter of a percent. It was effectively flat. Yeah, it was essentially flat. Yep. So, okay, great. So the quarter itself was only down close to around 10%. Mm-hmm. Spending is still well above pre-pandemic levels and projections, though we are starting to see that inevitable tapering off. Mm-hmm. We do know we did know it was coming, even for mobile, mm-hmm. which has been mostly impervious. Yeah. Um, but it is important to pay attention to that. So the top games on mobile platforms were Candy Crush Saga, Roblox, Coin Master, Garena Free Fire, Genshin Impact, Ebony the King's Return. My liege. I, I knew he was going to do that. That's why I was kind of leading him toward it. Bingo Blitz, Royal Match, and Candy Crush Soda Saga. So Could we I- can see why King is the one mm-hmm. that is continuing to do well, especially if there they're, they're keeping that spending relatively steady. Yep.
1: Uh, funny thing about Ebony. Oh God. So you might have might've seen me on Twitter talking about how there is this rampant false advertising stuff that's going on in the mobile market it's where tough. they'll show you an ad on Instagram, for instance, and you go and look up the game and it looks nothing like that. Not even a little. Ebony's now putting out ads that are, hey, you know those games that are fake, that aren't real? This, our game is actually that game that they're showing everybody play. It's a brilliant marketing campaign, calling out all the false advertising.
0: I still don't want to play it. No, neither
1: do I. It's Ebony. It's like the the origination of gold farming. That and wow. Oh, World of Warcraft. Yep. And to wrap up, MPD uh, accessories fell 23% to 227 million for the month and 16% to 592 million for the first quarter. Uh, Xbox Elite Series 2 is the best seller for March and year to date. And I think part of the reason why these are down is because if you purchase an Xbox console, you can use all of your Xbox One controllers. Absolutely. The Elite Series 2 is a fantastic controller, by the way. It's what I use on PC. I absolutely love it. It's too heavy for me. However, if you are not able to purchase a PlayStation 5, it means you're probably not purchasing another DualSense. Mm -hmm. You're not purchasing the DualSense charger. You're not purchasing a PlayStation... Five camera. You're not purchasing all the things that you might need. Um, so this was this one was would, really interesting.
0: I would levy the whole you might need
1: a PlayStation camera somewhere on the periphery somewhere. Uh yeah. I mean, it turns out mm, no, you probably don't. But this but the second dual sense and the charger, those things are great. In fact, I mounted one to uh to our setup using that hide it mount. No,
0: I know. Don't get him started. Seriously, he will be here all day hit me telling up if you, you.
1: Hit me up. Oh, I gotta make that list for uh for Kyle and Mary. Oh, boy. Yes. Okay.
0: Well, you know what we should do, though, before you go run off and talk about our tech setup in our Mm -hmm. office? Mm -hmm. We should talk about Investment Interlude. Oh, we're going to talk about some M&As and stuff, huh? It's all about the money. Yep, all about that money. So let's talk about Gearbox. Gearbox has announced plans to purchase Tiny Tina Wonderland's collaborator, Lost Boys Interactive. Lost Boys has locations in Madison, Wisconsin, and Austin, Texas.
1: Maybe they can hire some of those Raven employees up in Madison. Maybe. Maybe. Pay them better. Yep. Uh, Purchase price was not disclosed. You might recall Gearbox, which is a subsidiary of Embracer Group, they were purchased last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Lost Boys is going to continue to operate independently, but it's also going to work with Gearbox on development of future titles.
0: That's just lots and lots of Embracer grandbabies.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Grand companies? I don't even
1: know. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, One more game, the studio founded by Blizzard veterans Jamie Windsor and Patrick Wyatt in 2019 has announced $22 million in Series A funding on top of its $5.7 million seed round. Funding was led by Lightspeed with Griffin, A16Z, and others participating. The team has announced its first game, Spellcraft, a free-to-play real-time strategy game, but not an RTS. They're calling it a real-time tactics game. Weird. Yes. Interesting. Yes.
0: Let's talk about Probably Monsters. Yes. Probably Monsters has been a really, really... Interesting. Company. I am
1: intrigued as heck about their model.
0: I, it's been a really interesting company to follow. I remember when when they first announced their studio. I believe it was in 2019 because I think we covered it over on Game Daily, and I was mm-hmm. still there. It was really interesting because I'm like, "How is this going to work?" They yeah. got like they, they got a heck of a pedigree with those
1: teams, right? Three very different teams. Three also, three
0: very different teams. All mm-hmm. right. So, if you're not familiar with probably monsters. It is a multi-team studio led by former Bungie CEO Harold Ryan, and they have recently announced a Series A round of $200 million.
1: I wish our bag of bells was up here because we're recording upstairs in the sitting room, not in our office. Uh, So shh, shh, shh. That's the bell's shaking.
0: It is the bell's shaking.
1: Yeah. LKCM Headwater Investments led the round. LKCM was an original funder of Probably Monsters. They've held board seats since the founding in 2018. Oh,
0: 2018, yeah. not 2019. Mm-hmm. The studio's first announced game from its Firewalk team will be published by Sony Interactive Entertainment, and that will be a triple A multiplayer game.
1: Yeah. Another Probably Monsters team, Cauldron, is working on a single-player adventure-driven game.
0: And the third team is focused on an open-world co-op RPG. Yep. Very interested. $200 million of investment is a lot of money. But if we're talking about a lot of AAAs here, Mm -hmm. that money's going to go fast. Yep.
1: Uh, Finally, Epic has invested an undisclosed amount in MXR, a London-based 3D tech company. MXR was previously awarded an Epic Mega Grant for research and development of a 3D capture methodology. Good for them. And that is it for Investment Interlude.
0: And now it's time for a break. Virtual economy is an F Squared initiative. And along with pro bono business consulting for up and coming developers, it's a way we are working to give back to the community that has already given us so much. To find out more about F Squared and the services we can provide, including pitch prep, media training, mock reviews, and business strategy guidance, visit our website at fsquared.biz. And we are back. Hey, Mike. What time is it?
1: It's time for quick hits. There you go. It's beautiful. Yeah, that was take two, everybody. You didn't want to hear take one. It was so bad. <laughs> take, it was real bad. Take one was ugly. It was ugly. We killed it. We took it out back and we beat it up. <laughs> we buried it in a hole next to the shed.
0: <laughs> Been watching a lot of Justified, okay? Things have gotten weird. All right. First up in Quick Hits, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has moved 3.2 million units.
1: I think there is something to be said here for the negative impact of oversaturation Mm
0: -hmm. and the
1: positive impact of resting a series.
0: Yes, because then people are like, oh, hey, I remember Legos.
1: Yeah. And this was a situation where this game has been... Gosh, I think I interviewed... Arthur, when he was still there, mm-hmm. was, it was it 2018?
0: Was it 2018? It would have...
1: Yeah, because I was there, I was for Variety. No.
0: No, you were there for me. You were there for Game Daily and Super So it was Mary. 2019. It was 2019, So yeah. it was
1: 2019, but still we're talking three years yeah from announcement to this game coming out. Remember, Lego games used to be like... Very
0: quick turnaround. It was like a
1: t-shirt cannon. i just load that <laughs> shit up and fire it into the audience.
0: Yeah. But seriously, the best one was Indiana Jones.
1: So yeah, you can get that on Steam. In fact, a lot of these games, by the way, are Steam Deck compatible. Neat. Yeah. So, you know, just a little Lego machine.
0: Little little Lego (laughs) machine right there. So, I mean,
1: we saw this with Telltale games. Like people have an appetite for those games again. We saw it with Assassin's Creed. They took a couple years off and then came back with Origins and then uh, Odyssey and then Valhalla, and those games are performing well. So they're yeah, taking all of some time games, in between them. Let all of your those games, games are breathe. Yeah,
0: it's not even just let your games breathe. It's listen to people that will make your games better. Yes, because the reason why they needed to take a break is because Assassin's Creed games were boring.
1: Well, they were boring, and they were huge, and they were coming out too fast, and people were and they like, were I'm behind. Why am I even bothering buying this game?" Yeah,
0: anymore? exactly. And then they started introducing like at some, at the very least, some interesting characters mm-hmm. starting in origins and it's like oh my goodness is if this is the direction the series is going i'm in
1: yeah absolutely uh here's one marty o'donnell and partner michael Salvatori have settled their differences with microsoft over music composed for the halo series we actually previously covered this dispute we did in which o'donnell and salvatore alleged that they were owed royalties from microsoft and the dispute was over whether the Halo music was composed as a work for hire. In other words, Microsoft had hired them in, this, in the scope of their work. Remember Microsoft owned Bungie at the time? Yep, for sure. So, uh, or whether they, it was composed independently
0: and then licensed. licensed to them. Right.
1: So they have, there was some dispute over the Halo TV show because they heard the, the chants. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was all of that stuff. So they're like, well, you're using our music. You haven't come to us You maybe re-recorded some of this and you were, by the way, our agreement said you were supposed to come to us first. Right. So that thing is going to be sealed. We're never going to know how that shook out, but it's now settled and they are able to move forward in agreement.
0: They are. So let's, let's talk a little, we're going to have a little tease. little tease. A little amuse-bouche for the upcoming earnings season. Capcom has revised its full-year earnings forecast in the wake of strong performance. Strong performance. The company has raised its sales forecast by 10% to 110 billion yen, or $856.8 million US. It also expects operating income to grow by 2%. To 42 billion yen or 321.1 27.1 million dollars US, and net income to jump 8.3 percent to 30 billion yen or 233.7 million dollars US. This shift is due to strong performance of Resident Evil Village, Monster Hunter Stories 2, brilliant game, and the PC release of Monster Hunter Rise, along with the strong catalog performance and smart discounting. By the way, during the holiday quarter. Mm-hmm. Capcom will report its full year earnings on May 11th. Yeah, we are heading into earnings season. That means I got to go get snackies. Yeah. I got to go get snackies. We got we got lots of work to do. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, Valheim has sold more than 10 million copies, according to developer Iron Gate Studio. It's also a win for publisher Coffee Stain, which is owned by Embracer Group.
0: Lots of grandbabies.
1: Mm. So right. you Embracer Group.
0: Speaking of Embracer Group, what's going on?
1: Uh, Perfect World Entertainment, which was acquired by Embracer Group in December, has now rebranded as Gearbox Publishing. No other changes, though. So if you're playing games like Neverwinter or Star Trek Online, all that's shifting is the logo and the splash screen that you'll see when you load up your game.
0: Yep, that's right.
1: So everything else is pretty much the same. Same people, same games, just a new name.
0: I wonder if that means that they'll bring back the magic game they were working on and just make it better nope that's gone (laughs) it's gone forever it's
1: sad but it's gone
0: oh that's unfortunate because it had you know it had some cool ideas Mm. like free pack (laughs) pack. (laughs) all right in less exciting news um we have to talk about what's going on in china as far as games are concerned so as China continues to impose rigid restrictions on gamers, Tencent is continuing to toe the line. A May 31st update to Tencent's mobile speed booster, as well as all of its apps, will now only support Chinese games that have been approved by the Chinese government. As of the new update, all access to foreign games will be completely removed. Mm-hmm. So it is only those games.
1: And that was a, a tunnel outside of the, you know, through that great firewall of China, yes. right? People were were playing games that were released in, other, in only, other regions.
0: It wasn't a ton of games. It was some. And they still were not necessarily allowed to play with foreign gamers. They were only mm-hmm. supposed to be playing on Chinese servers. Yeah. So the decision isn't surprising, But it is deeply frustrating for Chinese games and developers. We linked to the story that Josh Yi wrote for Reuters, and he was formerly at the South China Morning Post. And he was, I guess, he had talked to um, a few bloggers over on uh, Weibo talking about like how disappointing this is and mm-hmm. how challenging this is going to be. Yep. So it's a
1: huge bummer. This is why we are seeing Tencent and NetEase and other companies that operate or are headquartered in China stepping up their Western investments. It is a hedge against the unpredictability of the propaganda It's, it's
0: not unpredictable though. It's extremely predictable in the sense that it's just going to get worse. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's fair.
0: Um. It is. It is likely going to get worse from here. It's. It's a huge bummer, but at the same time, this you, you can you can draw a straight line between what started happening in 2018 to what's happening as of May 31. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to get worse. Yeah, and that sucks.
1: And that's also and a quick Hits. It is. And those were quick hits.
0: You got it. Thank you. You did it. I got there. You got there in one. I got there. I'm proud of you. We did it. Let's talk about the Labor Report.
1: Okay, we are not starting with Activision this week, but I promise what? you we will freaking get there. First up, uh, Nintendo, believe it or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I a- talked about
1: this this week yeah. over on
0: SDG- SDGC, over on their podcast. Yeah,
1: Axios broke the news that a currently unnamed worker... I mean, that person has a name, they just haven't been named publicly. I just... I, I don't want you to be afraid that this person doesn't have a name. That would be really tragic. What would you call them?
0: I don't know. Late not for dinner. Late for dinner, <laughs> <laughs> That's upsetting.
1: This currently unnamed worker has filed a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board, alleging that the House of Mario's hiring firm, Aston Carter, has interfered with employees' right to organize. Axios Stephen Totillo shared some additional information via Twitter. The allegations include firing an employee that tried to support a union, participating in union-busting activities, and conducting surveillance on the employee in question. Note that this has not been investigated yet, so we don't know if the government is going to pursue it. They Mm -hmm. have to first, like, look into the merits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nintendo provided a statement to Game Developer that reads, quote, we are aware of the claim which was filed with the National Labor Relations Board by a contractor who was previously terminated for the disclosure of confidential information and for no other reason. Y'all. Nintendo is not aware of any attempts to unionize or related activity and intends to cooperate with the investigation conducted by the NLRB. Nintendo is fully committed to providing a welcoming and supportive work environment for all our employees and contractors. We take matters in employment very seriously.
0: Yes. I have my hand raised right now, just in case anybody is wondering why Mike just looked at me and said yes. <laughs> um, so this is not the only thing that I saw about this.
1: Yeah, there was there was some other reporting this week.
0: There, there was some other reporting. In addition, there were some accounts like, Twitter accounts that mm-hmm. were actually talking about this, about their treatment at Nintendo and a lot of the problems that a lot of folks within Nintendo of America faced. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not surprising to me, quite frankly, knowing, knowing what we know about pretty much any large firm in this country, in this world, if they can exploit workers, they will. Yeah, and Nintendo is not... Exempt from that.
1: No, and I have heard anecdotally that Nintendo can be very challenging to work for.
0: Draconian, I believe, is the
1: term. Yeah, and there was the termination of that one employee um, back when I was a game informer uh, that I wrote about where uh, I think she was employed by by Treehouse. Oh, yeah, but that, that story...
0: Had a lot more. Yeah, there impact. was that was
1: a weird story.
0: That was that that was a really weird story in a number of different ways, mm-hmm. and I'm not super comfortable talking about yeah,
1: it. We'll move on. Yeah, what's next?
0: Let's talk about what's going on with Sony. So we have an update on Sony's legal issues surrounding labor. Judge Laurel Beeler has dismissed most of the claims in former PlayStation IT analyst Emma Mayo's suit against the company. Ten of the thirteen claims were dismissed though the claim can be amended to provide more details, which is why Judge Buehler dismissed them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For instance, Judge Buehler says that Mayo did not describe her work or how it was equal to those of men being paid more.
1: Yeah. Okay. So effectively, you know, what Sony contested here was that, hey, there's not enough detail here. Like, you're really not... Give us more. You haven't really claimed anything. You've just made accusations, but you haven't provided any backup. And Judge Beeler said, yeah, you do not have any details here. You have the opportunity to amend your claim, come back with those details, and then we'll take another look. But, you know, some of those claims are allowed to move forward. Absolutely.
0: So reporting from Axios indicates that Mayo's claims of wrongful termination and violation of whistleblower protection can proceed. And of course, this case is still evolving as eight more women have stepped forward in March to back up Mayo's claims.
1: Yep. All right. Activision time. Oh boy. boy. There's there's a chunk here, but we're going to end this one on a good note. Yes, we are. Yep. Uh, So uh, first up, Activision has successfully gotten an investor lawsuit dismissed. The suit was filed in the wake of last year's DFEH lawsuit and alleged that the company made false and misleading statements in SEC filings, its Code of Conduct, and its 2020 Environmental, Social, and Governance Report. Judge Percy Anderson said that the ESG report, that's the Environmental Social and Governance report, mm-hmm. doesn't satisfy the requirements for a securities case. Additionally, the investors are using what's known as fraud by hindsight. And this is really interesting. So fraud by hindsight is when you have bad outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And using that with the benefit of hindsight, you say, well, you had to have known that this was going on. How could you possibly have not been complicit and fully aware of all of these bad things that have happened. Okay. When, in some cases, it's just bad management. It's just bad decision making. It's not malicious. It's not fraud. It's not that they were lying about these things happening. It's just that they didn't know. Now, do I believe that in this case that there is no way that Activision's leadership didn't know this shit was happening? Fuck no. Like, I don't believe this is a case of fraud by hindsight. No, I think that... The, the other option, you're either malicious or stupid, and I'm not sure which is worse. And based on what we know about Bobby Kotick, the dude's fucking malicious. Oh, yeah. Malicious is And probably. the people around him, the people he is surrounded with, are malicious. So, do I believe this was actually fraud by hindsight? No. I, I think this is actually, they lied. I think they covered up things. Now, the, what the judge- How shocking. How shocking. Kotick and his cronies-
0: completely covering things up they've never done that at activision blizzard
1: that said in order for this not to be to fall under fraud by hindsight there needs to be a smoking gun there needs to be some kind of evidence that said no we're absolutely not reporting this or edits that were made or someone stepping forward saying i included this in the report but it was but it was removed by by my boss It was removed by executive leadership. So that's the kind of thing you need in a securities case to avoid this protection of fraud by hindsight because there's this whole benefit of the doubt of maybe you're just a sucky person. Maybe you're just suck at your job. Maybe. (laughs) Which, let's be fair, why not both?
0: Yeah, no, for real. It's definitely why not
1: both. So uh, Judge Anderson has given the investors 30 days to file an amended complaint, Uh, but that's... That's not it, oh, folks. Gosh, is this that, shit gets worse.
0: It ever extremely is not it. So, also out of Activision this week, last week, last week, last week. The Wall Street Journal reported that Bobby Kotick's former girlfriend, Meta's Sheryl Sandberg, and yes, it's that Sheryl Sandberg, leveraged her role to get the Daily Mail to kill a story about a temporary restraining order. Against Kodak. Yeah.
1: Not once, but twice, like, killed this story.
0: Yeah. Filed by a different ex-girlfriend. So Meta yeah. is currently reviewing Sandberg's actions to see whether or not they violated company policy. So here's the deal. Listen, I don't like Sheryl Sandberg at all. I remember when she was girl bossing her way through a book tour and I got sucked in all those years ago because I was like, oh, that's really cool. Good for her. You know, and then I realized that, oh no, she's just a monster in sheep's clothing. Oh God. You don't,
1: you don't spend that much time around Muck Muck Zuckerberg. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You know what? I love that. Muck Zuckerberg.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, Zuckerberg's Zuckerberg's the worst. Yes. So I remember though, like everyone was very, very into it. Everyone bought into it, especially those of us that were working in and around tech at the time. And I, I look back at those actions that she had taken. I look back at the ways in which she talked about work and being a boss and everything like that. And I'm like, wow, holy smokes. Did I not know anything about labor Hmm. back then? Like, honestly, I just didn't. And I didn't know how utterly toxic that, that line of thinking was the one that she was proposing
1: to lean in. Yeah. And and again, if you were at the head of a company like Meta, (laughs) I can't, with a straight face, call it meta.
0: <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> if
1: you're the head of that that company that has done so much harm, and like that that stink is on you. Yep. And now, like we know, like that stink has always been there. Yeah. All right closing out the labor report we oh, got some good good news report. the Game Workers Alliance announced on Friday that it has prevailed in its National Labor Relations Board hearing in which Activision attempted to prevent Raven software's QA workers from being able to form a union the NLRB determined that the 21 employees at Raven in QA do constitute a viable bargaining unit Of course Raven and Activision are going to continue to fight this via appeal. Uh, but employees who worked for Raven in QA during the April 16th to April 29th pay period, so that's the pay period ending this week, will be receiving their ballots. And the election will take place via video conferencing on May 23rd. We are about a month out now from at from there being the first AAA union. We are cheering. Yes. We
0: are cheering for those workers and whatever ends up happening i all i
1: care about is the workers yeah i'm hoping this is the first of many dominoes to fall I hope it's so going too. to change it's going to change the industry it is going to make some things difficult it is going to mean a big period of adjustment where what it means to work in this industry is going to change and
0: that's probably going to be long term for the better and short term for the for it's the strange yeah it's going to be weird
1: but what i'll say is this if you don't want your employees to unionize Maybe just treat them better.
0: No, I don't agree with that. I think that no matter what, you're, what how you treat your employees, it isn't about what you're doing today. It's who you become tomorrow.
1: It's not what I mean. What I mean is if you are so dead set against your employees thinking that unionization is their only recourse, got it? treat them better. Like, have a good relationship with your employees, and then if this topic comes up, you will already have the foundation for an amicable conversation. But the fact that, the fact of the matter is you have employees, you have workers that are, that are exercising their power, finally, because they have been given no choice after years and years and years and years and years. So
0: based on that information, then you and I are aligned. Yes. I was very confused. Just I'm like, what are you talking about? All all workers should have the ability to organize. No, when no. It doesn't I matter. Believe,
1: no, no, no. I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, this is not about the ability. This is about the relationship you have with your workers. And if you don't want an adversarial relationship. That's the part. Yeah.
0: That's the part right there. And at, like organize and unionize genuinely do that Mm -hmm. protect yourself help protect others in this in this industry a hundred percent and it should still be basic level treat your workers well
1: yeah absolutely exactly
0: and with that thank you for listening to the virtual economy podcast You can follow us on Twitter at at VirtualEconCast. I am at Amanda
1: Farrow. And I am at Footerish, F-U-T-T-E-R-I-S-H, though who knows how long we'll be talking about our Twitter presences. I'm going to just float this right to the top of this conversation. We have a wonderful community on Discord. We would love to have you join us. And even if you just want to keep in touch with us individually, hit us up. We're glad to give you our Discord uh, names with the hashtag extension with the four numbers and stuff. Like, we're glad to engage and, you know, and have have you there so that you can reach out to us. Because, honestly, we have no idea what's going to happen with Twitter come even a few hours from now.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. Um,
1: But you can also subscribe to our RSS feed at virtualeconcast.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Stitcher, Pocket Cast. There is one more. Yeah! Pocket Sand! Ah, right in the face. Right in the face. Ah, please subscribe and, if possible, review the show. Let us know what you think.
0: So... As of today, you can DM us with questions on Twitter. You can also send them to podcast at fsquared.biz. Join our Discord community, like Mike said. And if you have super secret information or you don't feel comfortable you know, sharing it in unsecured lines, let's say, you can hmm. also hit us up on Signal. Mike and I both have Signal numbers, so you can DM our virtual Econcast Twitter account, or you can email us and be like, hey, can we talk on Signal? And yes. we will give you our numbers. Absolutely. And that is that for our news show. We have another bonus episode coming up later this week, probably our preservation conversation with limited run games and hit save, which I'm sure that if you have been with this podcast for any length of time, you know all about it Mm because I talk about hit save a lot. But in the meantime, remember to wash your hands, stay hydrated and be good to one another.
1: We'll see you soon.